Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to another podcast of Truth For Today. Uh, my name is Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries, and uh you can check us out on our website, www.josephfranta, F-R-A-N-T-A, ministries, plural, .org. And all of these teachings are archived on our website, uh, the podcast for the Book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm so happy to be with you again today, and I'm so thankful for all the people tuning in. And... Uh, I speak a blessing over you today, and uh, may the peace of God be on you today in a mighty way. And we're going to go into, actually, the last section of the book of Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, and uh, going to verse 21, no, actually 24. And uh, it's about our spiritual armor. It's about our being able to stand in the battle, being able to overcome the battle. And we know that Jesus destroyed the devil at the cross. It's very clear in the book of Ephesians. And it's also very clear in Hebrews. Maybe I should turn there just to give you a little background uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews 3, I'm sorry, Hebrews 2.14, Hebrews 2.14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. King James says, uh, it's even stronger language there, that he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives, you know, the slavery of sin and poverty and, you know, weakness, depression. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. So we see here that Christ totally unseated Satan through his death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, he destroyed the power of the devil over our lives as Christians. The devil has no authority over us anymore. The Bible is very clear, and I want to turn to Colossians Well, let's just make it this, let's just do it this way. Uh, let's turn to Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So, 
when we rebelled against God, we came under the curse, but Jesus broke the curse over us. No one's living, no one in the body of Christ is living under any curses anymore. Now turn to Colossians chapter two or three here. In Colossians, no, it's chapter one. I'm so sorry. Colossians chapter one and verse 13. For he delivered us, talking about what he did for us through redemption, his work on the cross, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Doesn't sound like we're under it, does it? Sounds like we're over it. Because we've been raised up with him and seated with him far above all rule, all authority, all dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the one to come. Christ has restored man's dominion that he lost in the Garden of Eden through disobedience and rebellion, Christ, the second Adam, came and restored man's dominion and authority to rule and reign in this life. People say, how could that be? Go to Romans chapter 5. It's all in the Bible, folks. It's all laid out from Genesis to Revelation. All you have to do is read it and study it and find out what happened in redemption. Find out what happened in redemption. You need to know what Christ accomplished in redemption. In Romans 5, 17, it says, For if by the transgression of the one, that was Adam, death reigned through the one, that was the consequences of his sin, Sin passed to all men, and all died. Much more, those who received the abundance of grace, that's what Christ did for us on the cross, his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection was certainly an abundance of grace. Much more, those who received the abundance of grace, but that's not all, and of the gift of righteousness. Right standing with God, perfect standing with God, perfect peace, a perfect position with God, justification, which is what righteousness is, the legal term, justification means to clear of all guilt and declare righteous. We've been justified by the shed blood of Jesus. And we've been, de we've been declared righteous in God's eyes by the head of the universe, the head judge, the only righteous judge. The Bible describes God as the righteous judge. I'm not saying there aren't other good judges, but he is the righteous judge. 
above all other judges. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and of the gift of righteousness, we receive this righteous standing before God, this perfect standing, this perfect peace before God as a gift. You can't work for it, you can't earn it, and you sure can't merit it in any way. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Does that sound like we're a bunch of defeated people? Does that sound like we're, uh, you know, barely getting along, barely surviving in this life, just barely surviving until, you know, Jesus comes? Oh, no. We're to reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn more about that. And, and it's all in the book of Ephesians. All you have to do is read that one book. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, reigning in life through Jesus Christ. Folks, there's a lot more to the Christian life than you know. And God wants to show it to you. That's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that's our Father, the Father of glory, the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Does that sound like we're defeated? It really doesn't even sound like, well, we're just we're still sinners saved by grace. No, you're not. Once you're saved, you're no longer a sinner. You're the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That sound like we're guilty, condemned? No. Sounds like we're forgiven, cleansed, washed completely, justified, glorified, called, chosen, appointed, and anointed by God. I'll get into that in another podcast. But Jesus is living on the inside of us. The anointed one and his anointing is living 
on the inside of us. Does that mean that we can use some or all of that anointing? Absolutely. Positively. Certainly. For sure. We are the sons of God. I'm not just, uh, you know, well, I'm just trying to make it to heaven. No. Heaven is guaranteed to those who walk in the Spirit. Wow. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spiritual law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We're not under some kind of religious law. We don't have a performance code. You got to do that to get this and you got to do that to get that. Oh no. Jesus performed in our place became our sin, took our punishment, our guilt, our shame, bore it in his own body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his stripes, the wealth on his back, we are healed. Everything he did, he did for us to redeem us from our lost estate, from our sinful condition, from our spiritual poverty. You know that though he was rich, Jesus, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich in salvation Deliverance, redemption, healing, wholeness, soundness. The Bible says, let me read it to you in the book of Revelation. It was a direct revelation to the Apostle John through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to meditate and soak in the word. Soak in it and soak up and soak it up. Because the word of God is life. It's life from the dead. It's God's Zoe divine life. You read it. You digest it. It's imparted to you. Not only the words, but the power and the glory and the life of the word comes into you. <coughs> That's why, you know, people don't want you to read the Word. I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the world system. Oh, don't give us that Bible stuff. Oh, yeah. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of life. Jesus is the Lord of glory. The Lord of lords, the King of kings. And his name is written on his thigh in the book of Revelation. 
the word of God. He's got a word, a, a phrase written on his thigh in the book of Revelation. The word of God. Jesus. He's the word of God. He's the living word. This is the written word, the Bible. This is the logos, the written word. But the spirit of God will make the written word become the living word. Because the spirit is the spirit of life. You get involved with the spirit of life, he'll make the Bible come alive to you like you never could dream of or imagine. And you'll see yourself the way God sees you in Christ. Seated with him in a place of dominion over the forces of this life. Don't be ignorant of spiritual things. Let the Holy Spirit instruct you. We all have an anointing from the Holy One. And that same anointing that Jesus imparted to the church is on every member of the church. You can't separate the head from the body. The anointing on the head is the anointing on the body. Now each individual part in the body has a special anointing to function in their place and fulfill their part. But everybody has some of his anointing. I don't know where to go next. So much going through my heart right now. Go to 1 John chapter 2. I want to show you this in 1 John. That you're not a pauper anymore in Christ. You're not barely getting along. No, you're a full fledged son or daughter of the living God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In 1 John 2, 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. You know you have an anointing because you know the Spirit of God is in you. He's the anointing. Verse 22, Verse 27, drop down to verse 27 if you're following in your Bible. 1 John 2, 27. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. Well, how was his anointing passed from him to you when the Holy Spirit came to live in your life? As for you, the anointing which you receive from him, Jesus, abides in you. How did his anointing get in you? When you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Spirit of the living God came to live in you, and he brought 
the anointing of Christ to live in you. I'm going to read it again. Some of you are thinking, well, I've never heard this. Well, maybe you never read it before or never were taught it. I don't know. As for you, talking to the believers, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you through the person of the Holy Spirit, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but God's put teachers in the church. It's not talking about we don't listen to teachers. We need pastors. We need teachers. The Bible's very clear on it. But here it says, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things. And it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in this anointing. In him. And his anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of God being transmitted to you by the indwelling Holy Spirit to smear you inside and out, wall to wall, with God's presence, power, and glory. Okay, I got to get back to Ephesians 6. If you don't understand it, don't worry about it, but don't reject it. Put it on the shelf, and God will show you more about it later. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul, writing a circular epistle to the church at Ephesus. Finally, finally, after all that I've revealed to you by the Spirit, your calling, your place, your function. And all the other many things. The five ministry offices. The walk of the spirit. The renewal of the mind. Putting on the new man. Putting off the old man. Living in harmony and peace in your home and in your church, then he comes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The word strength is power. There's different words in the Greek for power. One word for strength is energeia, which is strength, physical strength. But there's other words, dunamis, it's another Greek word for power, and that means explosive power, dynamite power. And then there's another Greek word, kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S, kratos. And it's positional power to rule from a place of authority. There's even others, but I don't have time to go into all of those, but I want to mention them because there's different 
The Bible talks about different kinds of power, uses different Greek words to describe this power. But I just want to sum it up by this. If you're a Christian in the body of Christ, you have every form of power the Bible talks about. Yeah. Dunamis. Exergia, which is energy or strength. Kind of along the line of grace, God's ability. And then Kratos, a position, ruling from a position of authority, that kind of power. The power of a king ruling from a seat of authority, a place of authority. You have that kind of power too because you're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, I'd like to go on some other things right now, but I can't. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Oh, God's got us totally covered. Front and back. Head, shoulders, chest, legs, and feet. God's got us covered in the battle. It's a total spiritual covering of the spirit of the living God. It's not just, you know, pieces of armor necessarily, you know, that he uses this as uh, he parallels it or however the word is uh, with maybe earthly armor. But let me tell you something. People say, well, put on your armor. Well, really, we don't have to put on our armor. We already have it on. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. The fact that Christ is in you and on you means that you are dressed for battle. Okay. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes, wiles, or strategies of the devil. You do have a foe. You do have an adversary. You need to be aware of him. Uh, you don't need to exalt him. You don't need to, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about him, but you need to be aware that you're not battling with flesh and blood. Verse 12, for our struggle, or we wrestle, not against. I like struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers of darkness, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's a whole, there's just a whole demonic ranking here, if you want to call it that. Maybe that's not the best way to put it, but there are levels of demonic power you have to deal with. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not battling against politicians, political parties. No, we're not. We're not. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers controlling those people. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up. Woohoo! Take it up. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's who you are in Christ, the righteousness of God. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Remember, when you share, it's always in peace, never in strife. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, we've talked a lot about faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, know that you're saved, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Use the Spirit and the Word together. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I'm going to get into this next time a little bit more, but this is kind of a structure of what God's bringing to us. We're dressed for battle. We're overcomers, dressed for battle. We're victorious in all situations in Christ, and we are the triumphant church of Jesus Christ. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. May God's blessings surround you. Bye-bye.